Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, my friends are gone and my hair is grey. I ache in the places where I used to play And I'm crazy for love But I'm not coming on I'm just paying my rent every day In the Tower of Song I said to Hank Williams How lonely does it get? Hank Williams hasn't answered yet, but I hear him coughing all night long. Oh, a hundred floors above me in the Tower of Song. Here we are, back on Radical Australia and Dale. I am distraught. Why is that then, Joe? We didn't make our title last week. What so, shock. shock, horror, <laughs> shock, horror. We need 200 bucks. Okay. So if you ring 94198377, I give good financial advice. I am not a, a registered financial advisor. I am not a bank manager. But I do know that if you've got a tax problem, don't call Rupert. Call me, and I'll tell you to donate your money to the Free CR Radio Fund before the 30th of June, and you will receive a legal, legitimate tax deduction. Now, you want independent radical radio here on 3CR? Cough up. Otherwise, otherwise, other people will be coughing up, and wonderful people like the Empress Dale and scumbags like me will not be on community radio 3CR. So, 200 bucks, a miserable 200 bucks. Yeah. You can help us. Nine four one nine. Eight three double seven, and we're going to do this at the beginning of every program until we get our tail, even if we go into 2017. That's right. Good afternoon, Dale. Good afternoon, Joseph. Do we have a guest? We certainly do. Let's move forward. A very important guest. Indeed. Every guest is important. That's right. This is Radical Australia, Community Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. And our guest is Pilar Aguilera. <laughs> how bad was that pronunciation, Pilar? No, no, not too bad. Not too well, bad. tell us how it's really said. Come on. Pilar Aguilera. Pilar Aguilera. <laughs> Pilar Aguilera. Pilar Aguilera. Uh-huh. Pilar Beautiful. Aguilera. But for it's the a... gringos, we'll say Pilar Aguilera. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have gringos here. Pilar Aguilera. Pilar Aguilera. I like that. Rolls off the tongue. Now, Pilar Aguilera, we only asked two questions on Radical Australia. I nearly got... Confused there. I thought it was on talk back with attitude, but it's all right. <laughs> it is radical Australia because we've got a guest. We don't have smart people ringing us. We've just got, we've got smart guests instead. Two questions. Mm-hmm. Very simple. One takes 40 seconds to answer, sometimes 30, and the other one takes 54 minutes. You like that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Well, the first question is we need to kind of orientate our listeners because they can't see you. Can you tell us 
what year you were born in. You can't fudge it a bit if you want to. Oh, no, 71. 19, 1971? Yeah, 19, not 1871. 1971, not 1871. Well, it is the 21st century. Young people get confused, you know. They get confused. It is 2016. It's the next century. It's the next century. The second question, and just take your time. We'll just ask questions as we float along. And if you get into a, if I get into a huff, the empress will step in and save you, save your soul. What's the earliest thing you can remember? Earliest thing? Oh, uh, living in Chile. Um, lived there till I was Hang on, five. hang on. No, 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 that's not right. You didn't remember living in Chile. You, you okay, would know you were in Chile. Thing, okay. The first thing you remember, yes. Okay, okay. Stealing money to buy lollies. <laughs> Stealing money, I like that. That is a good indicator of the person you're going to be. How old were you? About three, three and Three, and, a half. and who were you stealing money from? Uh, probably my parents climbed uh-huh. up on a cupboard. Yes, <laughs> the you know the where you put your spare coins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Climbed up, took took some coins out, yeah. walked to the local shop. All by yourself. Yeah, little three year old. Yeah, you yeah. went there for little coins. Yeah, and got lollies not just for me but for everyone in the neighbourhood. Everyone in <laughs> the neighbourhood. Whoever whoever walked past. <laughs> and and what did the person at the shop think? Um. They knew me, so probably just, here's your lollies. Here's your lollies. The parents just let this young woman, (laughs) young girl, I should say, young girl, roam the streets. It was the 70s. Everyone was roaming the streets. They were. What what town was this? Santiago. 74. Yep. Just before things changed. No, just after. After? You were roaming the streets after they changed. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. You were roaming yeah. the streets after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you still roam the streets despite yeah. having a military coup, <laughs> president being killed. Well, lollies are important. Well, they are. Yeah, they are. They are. So um, why did your parents leave this this blissful country? Because we were so happy. Uh, we left because of the coup in Chile, mm-hmm. um, because of the violence, because of the uncertainty. So one of my other early memories is... Um, Armed, fully armed police um, coming, storming into the house every night, fully armed, and me swearing at them. This I don't remember swearing at them, but that's the story that gets right, told. Right, right. You know, a little kid swearing at the cops, um, and they were all—they always said the same thing. You know, they come in, they look at things, and they say they're looking for weapons, and there's no uh-huh. weapons, and there weren't weapons the day they checked yesterday, and there mm. never was weapons. But why would they? Raid law-abiding people like you because <laughs> they were fascists. No, 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 no. Hang on. Even fascists have reasons. Come on. What, what were your parents up to? What was what's going on? Well, they weren't up to anything really. My dad no. was in a union. Um, what? My dad was in a union. Well, it's a bit like Australia 2016. You <laughs> are a criminal if you're yeah. in a union, aren't you? Mum yeah. used to work from home, and pretty much everyone's house got raided. So it didn't matter why if you were you're part of town. Um, not sure why my part of town. Um, I think it was generally the case the first few years after the coup in Chile, pretty much most neighbourhoods were raided, I guess, you know, mm. unless they were super wealthy. We weren't super wealthy. Um, we were probably middle of the road. We weren't in dire poverty, but we were, mm. you know, sort of, you mm. know, we had enough food and stuff. We had a house, right. but we weren't, we weren't the up market end of town. Right. What was your dad's name? 
His name was <laughs> his, his first. His full name was Desiderio, but um, from when he was a kid, he got called Leo. Leo, right. and uh, it's a play on some word. Well, Lelo, I assume, assume Desidero is desire, is it? Ah, uh, Desiderio. I don't know. It's no. uh, Desiderata. I don't know where that Maybe Leo from. came from. But yeah, yeah. No, but Leo was just a nickname, right. like for yeah. no, because he hated his first name because right. it was so old fashioned. And mm. his middle name was Jesus. Fair enough. <laughs> Jesus. Well, you've got Muhammad. Why not Jesus? <laughs> so, yeah, he was forever more known as Leo. Leo. And what was he like as a father? Um, he was great. He was um, fun, happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, yeah, I mean, I always got on really well with him. The decision to sort of uproot, he was more of an adventurous kind of person. So it was more, I guess it was easier for him to make that decision. I don't think it's easy for anyone, but yeah, no, he was, he was, um, he was a good dad. Um, he had his moments like I think every dad. Yeah, of course you do. I can tell <laughs> stories about myself, which would make your blood curdle. So, um. And mum, what's her name? Mum's name is Leontina. And is mum? St- I assume mum's still alive, and yep. dad's died. Dad's passed on. Yeah, right. uh, eleven years this year. And mum, most people know her as Tina. And she lives in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was she like? Um, again, you know, like every you parent. can't say anything. You can't say anything bad because she could be listening. <laughs> yeah, I told her to tune in, so I can't say anything bad. <laughs> no, she's always been there. She's always been a great mum. Um, again, had her moments. I think I was a bit scared of her when I was little because she was very stern. But then as an adult, when I think about it, um, she worked. She left the house at six in the morning, got back at six at night, worked all day in a factory. And when that happens, you're not going to be your most cheery self when you're no. at home and you've got young kids. Yeah. So, young kids? How many of you were there? Uh, two. Only two? Two with mum and dad and I've got a half-brother and half-sister. Sister. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So. Right. And uh, how many of you came across? Um, initially, mum, dad, uh, older sister, and myself. That was in November '76, mm-hmm. and we arrived in Melbourne, mm-hmm. night time. Um, and I remember, I don't know if this is true or not, but dad, you know, we sold everything to come here, and dad had like the equivalent of fifty dollars in his pocket. So nothing else apart from our luggage. And we got picked up at the airport with about two or three other families. And, again, these are vague memories. It was sort of raining in Melbourne. It was night time. We got driven to what is now the Maribyrnong Detention Centre, which used to be back in the day the Maribyrnong Hostel. Mm. And super welcoming. You know, we got like a little flat. You know, we got fed. Yeah, things we had have changed, blankets on the bed, you know. Things, things have changed, things haven't have they? Changed you must have thought this is heaven. I do. You realise you, you are the last batch of genuine left-wing refugees this country has actually accepted. Yeah, probably. You're a legacy yeah. of the Whitlam Labor government. <laughs> yes, And you're correct. very lucky that Fraser didn't close that door because of his uh, humanitarian principles. Correct. And uh, there were, what, about... 50,000 Chileans came across during those years, didn't they? Yep, yep. And so did your family apply as refugees? No, my family came as migrants. Migrants, um, right. Dad didn't want to go back to work because, as I said, he was in the union. And I think, and again, this is a story, a story that I have to fully corroborate, but the memory of the story is that he went to work one day and this must have been in either 75, so a couple of years after the coup. He was um, in the union. He worked, um, I think, in a factory. And 
he went to work and then there was some uh, military people there. There was a hooded guy pointing people out. They were being taken away. So he decided he wasn't going to go back to work. Right. And that was probably the smart thing because mm. I think in the early years it was, you know, Firstly, it was the communists, then the revolutionary left, and then every political party successively got wiped out, and then it was the union leaders, and then it was anybody who's jaywalking or <laughs> anybody who looks mm. weird or, you know, so it's, oh, it's that need, need classic some, you, dictatorship, you know. Well, you need to engender fear and create fear and uh, enforce fear, as they say. So here we are. How long did you last at Maribyrnong? I think we were there for about six months and, as I said, super welcoming. And I have these amazing memories. I was turning five. I turned five a month after we arrived. So I wasn't going to school and I've always liked eating, <laughs> hence the lolly story. And I remember the food and I thought it was amazing. I th- every other Chilean hated the food. Right. I-, I tasted things like rhubarb with custard and oh, it was amazing. To die for, isn't it? Isn't it Rice bubbles, yeah. Vegemite. <laughs> oh, you were really acclimatised. You oh. became one of us very quickly. In fact, I can still smell How about smell Vegemite? Can you yeah, smell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Vegemite. You like Vegemite? Yeah. Baked yeah. beans? Yeah, yeah. On toast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, wheat mix? Uh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> you were meant to be born here, Pilar. You know, you were, you were meant to be one of us. But, you know, Dad and I, uh, I guess, settled in really well. But my sister, who was 11 at the time, and my mum, it was harder for them. It was really hard. My sister, especially at that age, you know, we'd left pets behind, friends, family. Mm. We'd essentially left everything. So the people that we travelled with on the plane, we're still in touch with, the mm-hmm. families. And they kind of become your family, you know. So I grew up with all these people that I called aunts and uncles and pseudo-cousins um, because you don't have your own. Right. So um, where did you go after Maribyrnong? We went around the corner. Around the uh, corner, I like that. Yeah, so Maribyrnong Road near, I, th- I can't remember what the, I think it's Rosamond Road. Mm. There's a little flats near a paddock and they're still there. Drove past there the other day and they were called... We called them in Spanish the flats of the six months because you were only allowed to stay there about six months before you moved on. (laughs) The six-month flats. So we went from the hostel to the six-month flats and then moved into Housing Commission in Ascot Vale. Had you started school by then? Yeah, by the time I was in the six-month flats. The six-month flat, yes. (laughs) The flats de seis meses, that's how we say it. The flats de seis meses. (laughs) And then I started prep. And it's funny because my full name is actually Maria Pilar. And my family, all all of us get called by our middle name. So I've right. got two sisters and we've all got two names, but none of us are known by our first names. We're all known by our middle name. So I was always Pilar. And then suddenly I come here and it wasn't the time where people ask you what you wanted to be called. They just look at your, you know, papers. And so I was Maria. So I think they thought I was a bit stupid because they'd call my name in school and I didn't answer. <laughs> uh, did you get any hearing tests done? <laughs> no. No, no, just stupid. That's okay. The other thing was, and I've, I've read this of other migrant kids where in Chile you don't sit on the floor because it's dirty. It's mm, generally mm, dirt and it's mm. just not the done thing. And at that time, and all the kids were like cross their legs on the floor. Yeah. And That's I just right. thought to open myself. Playing, open playing classrooms. No, I just thought I'm not doing that. It's almost like beneath me. So I'd sit on the chair like You'd a civilised ch- person. <laughs> Maria sat on the chair. What was your English like by then? Uh, I think it took me probably, once I started school, about three months to pick it up. And when you're little, all you're doing is talking, so mm. it's easier mm. to learn a language that's not your, your mm. native language. But 
Um, so yeah, I've you know I, I don't think I have much of an accent now. I've started school here. My sister, it took her a little bit longer because then you have to read and write and, you know, mm. deal with 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, oh. which is harder. Yeah, unpleasant people are at their yeah. age, very unpleasant. They think they know everything. Yeah, and, yeah. And usually Pre-teens. they do. And usually they do, yeah. Pre-teens. <laughs> These days. So primary school, how did you cope? Um... I don't have very good memories of prep. I had a really awful teacher. I can't remember her name, but she good, used good. to... Good, She could still be alive. We don't yeah, want to be sued. No, no, and I don't know what her name is, but I remember her punishing prep kids. And Ooh, I look at little like... prep kids now and think, why would you... So we did things like if you got in trouble, you had to stand on the chair with your hands on your head. Uh-huh. I remember her throwing some kids across the floor and mm. not nice. So... I don't know. I think it was a bit of a rough school. It was a Catholic school. My parents always had that idea of Catholic school is better because the education system's better or whatever, even though they weren't like Chileans all say they're Catholic, but in their own way, which means we only really go to church for weddings, funerals, and baptism. Um, <laughs> Dale, we call them Christmas Day Catholics. <laughs> and, and if they're really good, they go on Easter and Christmas, but mm. that's about it. And then they brawl over the gravesite with their funerals. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I know a lot of these type of Christians, Roman Catholics, because, see, they're not Christians, they're Roman Catholics. There is a difference. There is a difference. Yeah, you don't, oh, re- you don't yeah, read yeah. the Bible if you're a Roman Catholic. You let the priestly caste read the Bible and interpret it for you. Isn't that correct? That's correct. And that's the trouble with all these Protestant religions. They start reading the Bible and getting big ideas. <laughs> so did you excel at anything in primary school? Uh, primary school... Excel, excel, excel. Not really. No, not really. So middle of the road. So you just motored through and... Plot along and... Still at Maribyrnong? No, by then we were in Ascot Vale. Oh, right. So, So yeah. And then I think when we were in primary school, my my grandma came to live with us from Mm -hmm. Chile. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. That would have been tough for her. Um, Yes and no. Would you just stay in the flat mainly? No, she was very independent, mm. very known in the community. She didn't really ever learn to speak English, but did she she managed to get around in the community. Mm. She used to buy long necks of beer. Long necks. <laughs> long necks of beer. An old-fashioned woman. <laughs> That's good. What did the rest of the family think about this? Oh, it's just grandma. It's just grandma, yeah. 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 And yeah. Uh, obviously you went to high school. I did indeed. Maribyrnong High? No, no, I went no. to a school in North Melbourne. Again, a Catholic, Catholic, Catholic girls' school. Good. I feel like getting the T-shirt, I survived Catholic girls' school. school. Catholic yeah. girls' school yes. in North Melbourne. Yes, yes, yes. Uniform? Yes. Could you describe your uniform for us? Uh, there were two. Two uniforms? Skirt, skirt shirt and tie, jumper, blazer, uh-huh. winter. Uh-huh. And summer was just one one. I don't know what you Blouse call it. Blouse, just a big thing. Yeah. Kind of like, like a tunic or something. No, like a pinafore. Yeah. Like a, yeah. like, you know, like what the cleaning ladies wear. But uh, instead of a zip, it's got buttons. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, the Empress here was a mistress in a private school in a previous life. <laughs> so she, that's why she asked you about the uniform. She knows. <laughs> she knows. She used to get a ruler and measure, you know, how oh, far. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. Did that happen to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you rebel in yeah. this little school? Uh, mainly through politics, actually. Politics? Yeah. You were in a Catholic girls' school in North Melbourne and you were talking politics? I was indeed. What's wrong with you, woman? 
I was from Chile and there was a dictatorship. (laughs) (laughs) And all the Chileans here, what we were doing was working in solidarity to end that. So, you know, I used to go to school with badges and go to rallies after school in my uniform um, and argue with the nuns. Mm. Argue with the nuns? Argue with the nuns about politics. What do they think about all this? Disapproved. Disapproved. Definitely disapproved. But there were there was actually a big Chilean community, and I have to say, not all the Chileans here came as a result of the dictatorship, and they weren't all super sympathetic. You know, like you know, a lot of them were like, "Let's just not talk about what's happening back there." Mm. Whereas I started sort of becoming active when I was about twelve. Twelve. And so by the time I hit high school. I, I was, you know, every mm. presentation I would talk about Chile, <laughs> Chile, yeah, the dictatorship, Mr. Pinochet and yep. his mob. Yeah, didn't it get a bit Probably. tedious after a while yeah. for a young woman. Yeah, yeah, but and I remember actually having we used to make little badges. Thirteen years of dictatorship. Uh, I think it started ten, and then it was eleven, and then it was twelve, and. The dictatorship lasted 17 years, yes, so you right, know, right. it just kind of became old after 14, 14 15 years. years. Oh. So I'm going to ask you the, the terrible question that I ask people who've been to high school in Australia. How did you go in year 12? Really well, actually. Really well? Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. No, I really liked studying. And did you? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I did well. Um, got into... I studied at La Trobe afterwards, mm. but... Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. You skipping. did really well. How well? well? I can't remember the score. But no, not score, but could you do... A, did you have an options? Do you have options in your yeah. life when you finish? Yeah, I did. Because a lot of people don't have options. No, I did. I had lots yeah. of options, and yeah. And what, what did you choose? Uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, I was doing... Um, I was into art a lot, but mm. I had this... Idea. I was very earnest, and I had this idea that I needed to do something that would be of benefit to, to the community, to, community, to mm. society. So it was like I, I had ingrained in me that I couldn't just go off and do art because that was too, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. But anyway, um, I, didn't, I, I struggled with knowing what I wanted to study at uni, so I ended up studying anthropology. That's all right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with anthropology. That's Which okay. is weird. And I got mm. into Melbourne but actively chose not to go there. Went to yeah. La Trobe. Why not? That's my old alma mater. <laughs> what, what, what did you go to La Trobe for? Why did you waste your talents at La Trobe? Because at the time it was more radical on campus. Well, I agree. Look, I agree. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I only went to... So the, the choices were made. Yeah. yeah, I can understand. The choices were made. So what year were you, what years were you at university at Latrobe? Started there in 1990, mm-hmm. and I was there till about 97 because I did a few things after my degree. A few, what degree? Anthropology. Yeah. So yeah. I did a double major in anthropology and history. And history. Mm. Have you actually used any of that ever in your life? Yes, I love to observe people. <laughs> <laughs> You could do that by sitting in a pub with a, you know, with a drink or a coffee shop. You know, you do, you, don't tell me you got a, you got a mistress in anthropology. Did you do a mistress in anthropology? A mistress in anthropology. Oh, I, I don't use the word master, you know. It's, I mean, it's, no, I didn't do a master's. I did a degree and then I did a dip ed. A dip ed. And then I did another grad dip. Grad dip. So yeah. dip ed. I don't like this. Yeah. So what happened? You, what, they pushed you into the school? 
No. Um, what happened was life happened. Life. And I had a baby when I was 20. 20. At uni. At uni. So, well, what class did you have the baby in? <laughs> well, you told me you had it at uni. Off campus. <laughs> Off campus. Off campus. Okay. All right. I could imagine you, you know, nine months pregnant, having the baby in the classroom. Oh. Oh. 20. What, yeah. And what did, you, what did your family think about all this? Very disapproving mm. because I was the uh, great hope, the first person in my family to go to uni. Mm. Um, and I think very unexpected, very um, not who I was supposed to be, not who, you know, I was this like sort of earnest, love to study, mm. you know, mm. and then. Pin up girl. Migrant pin-up girl. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Really well-known. I know the feeling. Really well-known in the community, you Mm, know. mm. I did folk dancing, you know. And I had that feeling of feeling bicultural all the time. Like my plans were I'm going to go back to Chile and and be in the revolution and help to overthrow this dictatorship. That was what I wanted Mm, to do. mm, And I got mm. really sidetracked. You would with it. (laughs) Really sidetracked. You would with having a child at 20. (laughs) Were you married? Yes, I did. I got married at 19. At 19. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What what were your parents upset about? What was I thinking? What were they upset about? (laughs) I mean, you're married. Because they didn't want me. Well, they didn't like the person who I was with. Oh, were they right? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. But what do I? What do you know when you're 19? You know? Wow. Yeah. I mean, look. You know, yeah. life. That's why I say life happens. And mm-hmm. and not only did I have one baby, then I had another one. <laughs> well, if you've got one, you may as well have two. May as well have they two. need company. Yeah, matching set. Well, you need company, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? One of each or two of each? No, no, two girls. Two girls. Two right. girls. So how old are these young women these days? 24, almost 24, and 22. Uh, we won't ask about We don't want to embarrass them on the program. 24 <laughs> and 22. Did they follow in their mother's footsteps and be earnest Chilean revolutionaries? Um, to a degree. They have, uh, they have good... Good politics. They, mm. I think, I think it's you know like I, I remember saying to them you know like when they didn't want to study or do their homework and I'd be like, you know that there are kids in Latin America who can't even go to school and it's you know that classic and they're like yeah. rolling their oh yeah, she's yeah, going to talk yeah, about all the poor yeah. kids in Latin America. Yeah, I remember my mother used to say to me you know you wouldn't eat your veggies she'd say look think of all those poor kids in Africa because we have a little a little Catholic little paper thing you'd put money in for the end of the year, right, to go to Africa. And I'd say being a bastard, because I was a, my mother did say I was a bastard of a child, and, <laughs> and I'd say, well, why don't you give it, why don't you send it to Africa? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that type of thing. So, look, it's uh, 4.30 already. This is Radical Australia and Community Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. We're interviewing Pilar Aguilera, hopefully. <laughs> So uh, I'm not going to ask you anything, you know. So when did you kind of get rid of the hand luggage? <laughs> get rid of the hand luggage? Yeah. <laughs> Be more specific. Well, the father of your children. Because <laughs> you, oh, okay. you kind of intimated that marriage didn't last. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were together for about six years. But I was way too young. And he's he was someone who'd just come. He'd, he'd arrived in Australia in the late 80s and was... Mm. He was a musician. And ah, he was, God, a musician. Yeah, musician, Dale. yeah. <laughs> what did you expect? And he was into politics and he'd come as a refugee. Oh, he'd right, come right. as a political refugee. Right, so right, it was that right. kind of, you know, yeah. wow, 
Wow. Yeah. It's the real thing. thing. Yeah. You met the yeah. real thing. You and actually, we planned together to go back right. um, until what? I got sidetracked with baby well, number one. Well, well, the township was still in power. Yeah. You're yep. going to take up arms or something? You know, die in heroic poses. Yeah, well, you know, that's what we talked about. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. it is. People don't understand yeah. that, how, yeah. how real it is. It is. Actually, I saw a doco recently, which is fascinating, and um, I don't know if it's ever going to be released in English because it doesn't have subtitles yet, but it's about people who went back, um, were in politics, they were exiled, they had kids, they, ki- they, they bring their kids up collectively in Belgium and then Cuba, and the, the parents went back to Chile... Um, undercover mm. and some of them died mm. and some of them survived but the kids were without parents for years and they yeah. were brought up you know in this really collective way so it was a re- yeah like you say it was a real thing to fight the dictatorship and people believed that they could they could be activists and topple from within um and i guess there was a lot of a romantic notion about that with someone who'd grown up here knowing about their country and feeling very much to be mm. Chilean mm. because there was always, for a long time with me, there was that struggle of am I Australian, am I Chilean? Um, if I, you know, the times I've been to Chile, you're not Chilean because you don't live there. That's right. You yeah. speak differently, you look different, you, you right. know, you act different, you have different values. Here, you know, you're not, I'm not white either. So yeah. it's like, you know, it's like. Well, like probably like eighty percent of the other Australians. Australians that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know you yeah. don't, you have this sense, and for a long time I struggled with that feeling of not belonging to either. Um, that feeling of being in limbo and searching for identity, and um, it's it's a it's it's the it's I think it's the case with most either refugees, migrants, um, people who mm. have have a different culture. Well, you know what they say. The first wave is the sacrifice. They sacrifice themselves for their children and then their children march in a different direction. Yep, and generally. They, and they don't actually recognise their children as they take, they take off in those directions. It, it is a, migration is a huge tragedy at the end of the day. You may be physically safe and maybe economically better off, but uh, culturally uh, you're basically distraught and destroyed. But going back... When your marriage dissolved, how did you survive? I was a single parent. Was I a student then? I think I was still a student. And um, so I think I got sole parents' pension. Right. Sole parents, living in near La Trobe Uni, Mm -hmm. two little girls. And I kept studying all the way through. Mm. So my kids were at La Trobe Uni childcare and, you know, I have this funny photo of me giving birth to Cassie, the second second baby, and finishing an essay right. before, <laughs> before giving while birth. I was having contractions. Oh, right. Oh, why not? Yeah. No. Why not? Yeah, the, I the already first knew. child was born in the classroom. You well. <laughs> I already knew what was coming. coming. I was like, yeah, yeah. I've got to finish this essay, say, oh. otherwise I'll lose marks. You should, have been a, you should have been a Protestant. You've got a Protestant <laughs> work ethic, you know? Not this Roman Catholic a stuff. A Chilean work ethic, actually. Chilean work ethic. <laughs> Even know. though they say we're really lazy. <laughs> really lazy. Really lazy. So when was the first time you went back? 2000 and, hang on, 10 years ago. 2006. 2000, I was 33, so yeah. I, my math is crap. Um, in the early 2000s, so, so you're first time. 28 years later. Yes. You went yep. back. Yep. Yep. 
How did you feel when you got off the plane? Oh, I was so excited, and the first thing I saw was the the Andes, uh, mm. the, the what we call the Cordillera, and it's so imposing. It's everywhere you look is this massive snow-capped mountain range that you know every every Chilean kid draws pictures, and in every picture you see the mountains because they're they're everywhere you look, and it's they're they're a point of reference. So, you know, there was there was a lot of emotion involved in that. Um, um, I went with the girls as well. How um, old were the girls then? They were about nine and ten. Did, did they have so, any? Did they have any Spanish? The girls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, we've always spoken. We always spoke to them in Spanish. Spanish in right. fact, Karina, the first daughter, she when she started kinder, she was like a migrant kid right. because we only spoke Spanish. Spanish. And for me, that's I consider myself completely bilingual, and that's mm. always been something really important to me. But also as a parent. I really want my kids, and they both speak fluent, complete fluent Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. So it was really emotive. Um, I went to my old house, um, the one where I stole the lollies from, and in fact it's a little street and we were the only family to move out. Right. And um, the guy I bought, the the guy where I bought these lollies from when I was three, I went there and said, you, I knew his name yes. because, you know, you grow up yep. with these stories mm. and mm. neighbours, you know. Mm. So I said, hello, Mr. Gustavo, how are you? And he said, oh, you're Leo's daughter. He hasn't <laughs> seen me. And I was like, how do you know no. that? And he goes, because you look the same. Sorry. And I was like, how can I possibly look the same as I did when I was four or five? Uh, but he knew who I was well, because, no. you know. Mm. Um, so the, in, and the memories were, you know. So, so where did you stay? Um, I stayed with my um, parents in law, right. who I who yes. are still my family. Yeah, of course they're family. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, people don't understand when a marriage dissolves doesn't mean yeah, that yeah. the grandparents aren't involved because it is a they're biologically related. Yeah. You know? So my kids travelled first with mm. their father, right? And we all kind of stayed in the same house. house we, right. We've always had a good relationship. We've always mm. been friends. Mm. And so the times I've gone, I've often just stayed with them. Mm-hmm. And they're wonderful. They're really mm. great. In Santiago. Mm. Do you have any, any other relatives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a million cousins. A million cousins. Aunts, uncles. Uh, and So is this like Smith, Aguero? Not not quite like Smith, Rayon. but pretty pretty common. Yeah. Rayon. What what's a literal translation? Um, Aguilera, Aguilera. Probably of the eagle, because of the, the word eagle. Aguila is eagle, eagle. and it comes from Spain. It's a mm. Spanish surname. So it's it's not an unusual name. Mm. It's not an and Maria Pilar in Latin America is everywhere. Is everywhere. Is yeah. everywhere. It's it's like Pilar is just yeah. very common. So you said you had mixed emotions, although you're excited when you first went there. When did you realise you were really a stranger? When I was walking around in in Santiago and (laughs) I went to a street vendor and bought something and he said, you're not from here. And I said, why? And he said, because you've got really good teeth. (laughs) Which is true. And I had, at the time, I had a strip of blonde in my hair or something, you know, had a piercing on my nose or, and he said, and, and the way you look, you know, and he said, there's something about you. I can tell you're not from here. Mm. So, yeah, I... There were there were lots of little things, and there's a lot of things I don't like about Chile. Like there's that mix of conservative, and I think it's leftover of the dictatorship. There's this ugly mix of 
Catholicism and right-wing politics, which I think is one of the ugliest mixes you can ever have, like some sort of fundamentalist religion and, and then conservatism, and then it permeates society. So, example, Chile and El Salvador, in all of Latin America, are the two places where abortion is still completely legal, punished, probably El Salvador worse than Chile because you can be imprisoned. But it's absurd, you know. It's it's so mm. so. Here I am, you know, like feminist, leftist, radical from Australia, <laughs> coming to Chile with all these like, you know. So there's all these funny little stories where I just felt completely. My mother-in-law swims. She's mm. in her seventies. She's right. always swum. She's amazing. So I was like, great, I'm going to swim too because I can't. Like I'm shit at swimming. Right. So went swimming with her, and we were all at the pool, doing exercises like this, and. Here's me with hairy armpits, and all right. the women were, they almost all fainted, you know. It They're was all just deep, this. Depiliated, were yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because, you know, Latin women have to look a certain way yeah. and have to act a certain way and have what? to be demure. And, oh, well, how yeah. do they have to look? Oh, I don't know. There's this mainstream is, is, you know, you don't have hair, you don't, you know, you don't have as in body hair. Yeah, but there's not know. many Australian women have body hair these yeah, days. Yeah, that's it, true. It's so percolated it's into Australia. Much of a muchness, maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. There's there's also this way of how you're seen. So if you're a mother, it's you, you're treated differently. But if you're a single woman, mm. say, early 40s and you go out to a bar, that's not, not, not really the done thing. No. No. Whereas here, it's like, whatever. So what have you got, the old bella figura? The bella figura. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got that same tradition the Italians yes. have. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. There's the Definitely. external yes. packaging, which is so important. Yes, yes. Mm. And and so, yeah, there's a lot of things like that. Um, when I went the first time, I felt like the city, the country still was in that process of recovery. There was still this heaviness there was still this sadness and fear. People, you, you know, there, there was that sense of people get used to being fearful, like, you know. Mm, mm. Um, and that that's slowly starting to change, I think. Did you have any um, political contacts when you went back? Uh, the first time, a little bit. The second time, way more. Well, what type of contacts? I worked in, a, I worked for a radical book publisher. Um, for about eight years and I did lots of travel to Latin America so I had those contacts so um, kept seeing all of our books everywhere and uh, you know although I hadn't been back Mm. um, it was a way in you know like I'd um, so some political parties um, some through book book bookstores and just through other friends who were activists. Um, mm. So, for example, on the first time back, uh, I went to a commemoration, which they do every year, of two two young kids who were killed during the dictatorship, and we painted a mural, and I right. took the girls to paint mm-hmm. this mural. And um, those things, to me, were really important to right. do, to be part of. And So... You said you were, you were working for a radical bookseller or publisher in, here in Melbourne, was it? Yep. And why did you leave? It was time to move on. Um, we were publishing books about Latin America in Melbourne and <laughs> that wasn't right, you no. know. Mm. Um, you know, and so part of what I did as a job at different points was go to different places and teach people how to put together a book, um, which was Fabulous! Like I got to spend time in El Salvador, in Cuba, in Mexico, 
um, and so and Venezuela. Um, so it didn't feel right, and it was time time to move on. And then I got a real job in you know because being in that radical publisher was being like being in a political party a little well, bit. You got an IT job, a real job. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, still in publishing. That's not a real job. Still in publishing. <laughs> Doing what? <laughs> um, as a production manager for books, which I still do. What's a production manager? You manage the whole process from when, from the time the book is an idea and a manuscript mm-hmm. to when you have a physical book. A physical so, book. Yeah. So are you responsible for distribution or just the no. production? No, 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 no. Just production. So mm. what paper will we use? How are we going to make it look good? All mm. that kind of stuff. Mm. And you think books are still relevant? Definitely. Why does, Definitely. Why is, is it because your because income's tied up with it, or no, not at all. I think uh, I think reading is so important. You know, like public libraries and knowledge and that access to different worlds. That reading and a physical book. I'm not even talking about an e-book mm. um, that you can access anywhere, anytime, and disappear into another world is. Absolutely fundamental, and and for everyone, and and I think that art is being lost, and um, it's important to keep it. Why? Why would you want to keep it? It's because yesterday's technology. Knowledge isn't it? is power. Knowledge is, is it? power. Well, yes. everybody's got knowledge. They got it in there. Look, I can. I'll pull this out. Look at this. Look at what this. What if your battery dies? No, no. What I'm saying. What a load of shit. This is a load <laughs> of shit, right? I can get all the knowledge I want, but no understanding. Of that knowledge. Exactly. No understanding. I can get all the facts and figures I want if I knew how to use it, <laughs> which I don't. And what if your battery runs out, you know? So, so why would anybody – this is it. We are de-skilling people. I think so. We are de-skilling people because they just look it up and say, oh, yeah, that's it, bang, and then they forget two minutes later. Yeah. It's de-skilling. So you, you think a book is more than the, than the net – Oh, definitely, definitely. I was listening to a great interview with an amazing author you should all read called Juno Diaz, who's from the Dominican Republic, lives mm. in the States. And he was saying similar migrant experience, but, you know, his was harsher. And he was saying book saved him, book saved him, book saved his imagination, you know, his 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 knowledge. And he's amazing. His books are wonderful. Um, I, I I always advocate for books and have way too many books that I know what to do with, but um, I want more. <laughs> well, you're addicted. Do you actually have dreams of writing one? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, one day. I, I don't think my writing's any good, so maybe I've never shown anyone. So one day, maybe. Well, I, well, well, you've, got, you've got drawers full of stuff you've written. Yeah, maybe not uh, digitally, not drawers, physical digitally. <laughs> files. Oh, that's not real right? Files, that's not real right? You need, you need a pen, you need to think. I put together a book with a friend when I was mm. at this publisher called uh, Chile, the other September 11, which right. was this great anthology after 9-11 mm. to remind people that, you know, we'd had this similar, very similar sort of attack, um, but that it was – instigated by the US government and the the parallels that were drawn from that. Um, Mm. So this great book that is an anthology of poetry and writing and, yeah. Mm. So when did you stumble into 3CR? Uh, Probably around 2000. 2000. Yeah. But as a kid, we listened to 3CR. You listened to 3CR religiously? Yes, every Friday, Chile Lucha. 
Chilean Light, is it? Those no. Chilean fights, Chili fights. fights. Chili fights. It was on at six or seven every uh-huh. Friday. We'd uh-huh. tune in because pre-internet, that was the only way we were getting information mm-hmm. about what was actually happening in Chile. So as a kid, we I knew of 3CR, we knew the presenters, and then when I was about 17, I was in the FMLM program, so the Salvadorians, and I would translate their communiques <laughs> into English, English. which is <laughs> <like>, fascinating. <laughs> um, and then I became, I did the training and became a volunteer in 2000. Mm. So I started on a program called Mujeres Latinoamericanas, which is still on air today with Marisol Salinas. Could, could, we, could we just say that again slowly? Mm. Oh, sorry. Mujeres Latinoamericanas. What's it's a mujeres? Women. Latin American women. Mm, women. Right. Programs on Thursdays, I think at six. Mm-hmm. And so the woman who started, one of the original women, mm. she's still does the program. Mm. So that was in Spanish and it was wonderful. Is this a program where you talk about hairy armpits? Or? No. no. Well, you're, you're telling me, you're telling me. That's feminism that's and politics, politics. yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily for hairy armpits. But, um, yeah, and then I did uh, Thursday Brekkie for mm. a few years. Oh, God, you need a medal. <laughs> Anybody who does a breakfast show needs a medal. It was insane. And my kids have memories of coming in as little kids and having yeah. – they were allowed to have like rice bubbles and stuff when they came to 3CR. Yeah. You realise <laughs> that's, that's considered child abuse these yeah. days and you could find yourself losing <laughs> them. They could be taken away. The things we used to do the kids in those days, yeah. But, um, drag so, on to rallies. Did you, yeah. you drag them to rallies? Oh, yes. Yeah, got yes, them to, yes, they, yes, they, yes. Did they make these little badges for you too, did they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they still go to rallies. They still come with me, which yeah, is great. Yeah. They're, they're great. And um, they've grown up at 3CR. They know most of the people here and they love coming in and they've got really great memories of the place. So what role do you think 3CR plays in the uh, Chilean struggle for freedom? Oh, massive role, massive role, because um, we weren't getting information through any of the mainstream press. And even today, Latin America as a continent doesn't exist in the mainstream press unless you're talking about Cuba and dictatorship or unless you're talking about drugs or football, which is soccer, or, you know, some beauty contest thing. So... It's all very superficial. Otherwise, the depth doesn't exist. And so um, 3CR was incredible in those early years as that voice of resistance. Um, We found some footage recently of uh, studios in Cromwell Street and Barry Carr, who's um, one of my ex-uni lecturers who's professor, retired now, He's reading some news in this Cromwell Street studio um, for a, a, a Chile solidarity Chile. program. So mm. it was a way of staying connected. It was a way of giving people information. And it was a way of building this solidarity movement, which with Chile in particular, Australia played an incredible role through unions and through radio. Um, it was a massive support to Chile. And... I, I strongly believe that in solidarity, I really do. Mm-hmm. You got any plans for the future? 
With regards to what? You. <laughs> I mean, your kids are off your hands. I mean, financially they wouldn't be, but at least no. emotionally they'd be off your hands and they're, um, they're forging their own life. And Yeah, yeah. So, so what are your plans? Um, I do a bit of this and a bit of that. We all do a bit of this and a bit of that. Come I'm travelling to Chile at the end of the year. Again? Again. What's this, your 10th trip back, is no, it? No, no, third, third, actually. Third, third. But I'm actually going to go and travel um, down to the south of Chile and I want to go to Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, not, you're not doing the Patagonian thing, are you? No. 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 Not in that way. Not no. in that way. Not in that way. Mountain climbing. No. None of that. No. <laughs> right. Exercise, the, no. <laughs> you're, just, you're the type of person I like. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people come into the studio and you look at them and you think, oh, how physically fit they look. What a waste. What are you saying I don't look physically fit? You, obviously you're physically fit, but well, put it this way, I, I wouldn't mind being shipwrecked with you on a deserted island. So as long as we you know why. Wine. You know why? No, no, you know why? Why? You'd make a good meal. <laughs> That's the reason. That's the only reason. This is, you know, you've got to think of this. I could tell you stories about, I used to have that, oh, no. There was the rule of the sea. In the good old days with sailing ships, we used to go down for regularity and you were allowed to eat the cabin boy. Oh, really? And then you ate the next person, the fattest person. And, <laughs> and this all stopped in the 18th century and there was a trial in England and they were convicted. But it was actually a thing. de rigueur that you did. So if you want to be shipwrecked on a deserted island, you pick somebody who's got a little bit of flesh on them because you'll need them later on. <laughs> so, But plans, you're going to go back to Chile and what else? Uh, Travelling there... Um don't know. Don't know what else. Don't we'll know. see what happens. Just going to travel, what? you got six months, a year? No, 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 no. Six weeks. Just six, six weeks. Six, weeks. six, six or seven weeks. weeks. Well, that's um, only six weeks out of the next 40 years. The next 40 years? I don't know. I don't, I don't like to think in those terms of future plans. I like to live more in the moment and mm-hmm. I don't like to – I don't know. I've got a, a, a friend of mine who's – an Argentinian anarchist. I like saying that. Argentinian anarchist. He's an Argentinian Two A's. He says to me that, that the idea of thinking of the future is bullshit. And I, I really like his mm. take on that because it's... That's because he's healthy. Yeah, and living, living in the moment, you know. Yeah, that's, so. because, that's, that's what healthy people say. Yeah. It's crap. You tell him from me, from an Australian anarchist, the two A's, two AA, it's total crap. It's when you're fit and young and happy and healthy, that's the way you think. When things start to break down, it's a different ballgame. Yeah, I don't think I want to live too long. I think we live too long as humans. That's a lot of garbage. It's what everybody says. I mean, I've got people, patients in their 80s and 90s who are quadriplegics and they still want to they live. They still and, want to live. And they still have a reasonable life. I okay. Mean, I mean, life is a wonderful thing, as you it know. Is, it is. I mean, it you is. Know. But I don't know. I'll get excited by the next few chapters. I don't know. So have you got any, any ideas of how this country is going? Oh, I find Australian politics banal. Banal. Banal is the B- word. Benign or just banal? Banal. It's it's a disgrace. It's and a disgrace. Yeah, it's awful. And and I think that um, to pit human against human is awful. Mm. It's barbarism, and we're travelling backwards rather than forwards as a nation. And I find that if we don't fight against that at a community grassroots level, like 3CR, like community organisation anywhere, um, and fight for those things, then they get lost. That's right. And then before you know it, we we are living in that totalitarian state, and 
People don't get that, that it can happen quite easily. And quickly. Yeah, and Very quickly. quickly. So, yes, I find the current election campaign completely banal and I switch off because I hear so much crap coming out of everyone's <laughs> mouth that it makes me angry and, yeah, mm. I don't want to be angry. But sometimes being things being banal and benign, which they're not benign currently, that's the problem, um, you know, is a good thing. Yeah. It yeah, can yeah. be because people it haven't been be. through those experiences that you've been. But you're right, we are a harsher people, much harsher. Yeah, if I think of how we came here and mm. were welcomed and the way people are treated now is is just like yes, yeah, it's abysmal. abysmal. Like yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, and at the end of the day, we're all. When I think about it, we're all human. We all really want the same thing. We want to live in peace. We want to get on with our lives, and we don't want to be killed <laughs> randomly. <laughs> we don't want to be hurt. You know. Well, if you don't want to be hurt or killed randomly. I think that's we all want the a same good thing. thing. So, have you got any parting words for our fellow citizens? Yes. Come to a rally on Come. Friday oh. outside the Chilean consulate at midday. What, what, what are you protesting about now? We are uh, highlighting the repression of the indigenous people of Chile in the south of Chile, the Mapuche Nation. And um, midday on Friday outside the Chilean consulate, 390 St Kilda Road. Um, basically, the Chilean state, um, massive investment in repressing because of forestry companies, hydroelectrics, mm. uh, private landowners. Any Australian companies you'd like to, yes, to mention? Yes, Would you yes. like to mention them I actually don't you know the names. I've got to oh, do more research. But yeah. there's a few forestry, because timber we're, companies. we're big into investing in Latin America. Yes, you know, yes, yes. Huge, yes. huge investments. And um, basically ruining you know, indigenous lands and yes. So we're when's this protest? Friday midday outside the Chilean consulate. Where's that? 390 St Kilda Road. Yeah, because not, not all of us know where the Chilean consulate no. is. Most of us don't care. <laughs> and donate to Radiothon. That's my other part. How, how's, your, how's your target going? Uh, well, I don't have a show at the moment, so I'm just donating. And I will donate to this program. 20 bucks. Thank you very much. Yep, Put my yep. money where my mouth is. Yep, yep. But, yes, keep um, community radio alive. Well, you, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very me. much, Empress Dale. And uh, hopefully you get a lot out of the six-week trip and you don't come back with malaria. I think malaria has been eradicated in Chile. That's what they think. <laughs> <laughs> You're going right south. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Look, it's been thank a pleasure you. seriously talking to you. Thank you. And I think it's important that people understand that uh, where you've come from, what you've made of yourself, and uh, it's a pleasure and an honour to be in the same studio as somebody of your, uh, you know, your presence. Real, real solid presence. And I don't think you've lost that work ethic, that Chilean work <laughs> ethic. You still got it, and you're still thinking of the community and the people around you. And uh, congratulations, and it's wonderful having you as a citizen in this country and your daughters and their grandchildren in the future. All the best. Thank you. Everybody knows that the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows Everybody knows the good guy.
guy's lost Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor, the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows That's how it goes 